I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to Unashamed. Um, I'm still at the Southern Lair. We had the ladies on the last podcast. That's always a joy. Um, we just got off the road, Jay. It's my last event. Our last event was in Maryland. Actually, you were filming in a neighboring state uh, for your new little treasure show when we were up there. But it was really great. And, Dad, I was going to mention this to you. We were Their duck season was opening this weekend, this past weekend, and, um, man, you know, we were right there close to Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. We actually crossed over the Chesapeake to get to uh, where we were speaking. And, I mean, there were some, there were some, I mean, dyed-in-the-wool duck hunters in the audience, that, I, that my last audience that I was in. They love it. Uh, they were talking about their season, getting ready. You know, they, they said early they have, uh, I think he called them sea ducks. Yeah. That's, I've been that's up what there. they get. Have you? Yeah, if you guys want to go duck hunting up there, I've got I've got the place. This is a, I mean, I was shocked at how it looked. I mean, it's it is very marshy. I, I actually went turkey hunting up there, but it was the the place I went. And we've actually been invited, by the way. It's uh, it's it's a duck habitat too. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I we, hunted uh, with somebody up that way, <coughs> way back, <coughs> and we hunted the James River in Virginia. Yeah. Just, uh, well, I've hunted it, but I was treasure hunting. They had black black mallards, black ducks. The number one rule of duck hunting, contrary to popular belief, is go where the ducks are. So I've eliminated the Atlantic Coast Flyway because there's less ducks on that flyway. Yep. Yeah, that's why they were saying that they don't <laughs> even get any big ducks for a while but i tell you it was a it was a just now i can kind of put the closure on you know all our pro-life events every event we went to this past since roe v wade has been the largest event they've had and they raised the most money every time that they've ever raised so a lot of enthusiasm on the pro-life side which is encouraging you know for lisa good thing kind of very good yeah what we've been able to do i'll tell you another story dad you'll like this so one of our podcast listeners um, who actually came through last summer, and, and uh, he and his fiance met you and I. Uh, he brought his mom. We had lunch together before the event I was doing that day. And his mom, um, they're all attorneys. Like, they're all, like, attorney. They all worked in the state attorney's office. They're prosecutors. Like, four generations. It's pretty amazing. And um, But she told me, she, you know, she said she had grown up uh, Catholic, just kind of became disillusioned. She was an agnostic most of her life. But because of her son, who listens to our podcast uh, ardently, she um, she started seeking. And so we had lunch. What turned into a lunch wound up being about a three-hour Bible study with her asking all the right questions, you know, about the Trinity, about why did God have to come to earth to die, you know, all the things you would expect somebody to ask that's seeking. And so I was just going to say that, you know, Unashamed Nation, you guys, it, it still provides great avenues and platforms for just even individual discussions like that everywhere you go to share Jesus, you know, and you do it every Sunday day with folks that come here. Uh, I do it everywhere I go. I know all of us have that same kind of heart for it. So it's kind of reminds me of what you see in Colossians four, Jace, you mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago. It's, it's living a life with conversation that's full of grace and seasoned with salt. And always ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, which is what Peter said. So I, I just think that's the way we should always, you know, be poised to live. Because, you know, people are looking. People are seeking. They're searching something better. No doubt. I had an interesting encounter in the, at the airport when I was on the way back. So it's real, you know, flashy-looking couple. And, I mean, just they just looked like a good, modern couple, you know. Well, it was a pastor and his wife. And uh, he said, Jace? I was like, yeah. Of course, I didn't know he's a pastor. I was sitting there with uh, Jep and Murray and our showrunner from the show. And he said, you actually quoted some of my material that you looked at. You were doing some research when y'all were studying the book of Matthew, you know, from the Internet. And, uh, of course, he, I couldn't remember his name. It didn't sound familiar. I did write it down. Uh, it was Robbins was his last name. And I was like, oh, boy, 
Here we go. And uh <laughs> hope you didn't misquote it. <laughs> yeah, I, hope I didn't misquote it. You know, and it turned out to be a funny thing. He was like, But you didn't mention me by name, but I know because you went through the, you know, well, I was like, Well, maybe I should have gave you credit. What was his guy's name? Robbins was his last name. And uh <gasps> with two B's. Watch it. What? Yeah, and, watch out uh, for that guy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm no, I, but anyway, I, I was uh Robinson. You know what I what we had a discussion about is which I which I wish this would catch on in the religious world is that because he's like we're united on who Jesus is, him being the image of the invisible God, you know. We had a wonderful conversation, took pictures and hug and oh he's calling me brother and I just thought, you know, we spend so much time arguing and disagreeing with the religious world. We need more of these moments. We need more of these moments of let's unite in who Jesus is and go from there. But we would be a way more powerful entity on the planet, I think, if we if we met that criteria, you know, in the church. I think just, you'll get more of that as time as time marches on and as it becomes more difficult to um sorry i'm getting distracted here i'm looking at my camera and there's a bug that's about to crawl across the lens so if that happens i apologize but uh, uh sorry about that well, hope but, he's uh, not the stinging variety zach i'm no, just telling you from experience again <laughs> when insects attack volume two yeah i was bragging about my layer that being insulated with the font but i guess it's not good enough because i do have a bug right now inside the layer mm-hmm. where I'm at. Anyways, I think as I think as it gets more difficult to stand for Jesus, I think that you will see uh, people just kind of like, man, what what's the basics here? We'll still have our discussions. You know, we don't all agree on this podcast, but I mean, I think what we what we do agree on is is the core of the whole thing, and I think you'll see more of that as time time goes on. But even even what I was describing is that this 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 woman who was uh, kind of like what Jace was describing, she she's very intelligent. She's a, an attorney. She at one time she was a, a prosecutor. She, she graduated from Tulane. We won't hold that against her. I, I got to give her my Tulane joke, Jace. You'll like this when we used to play them. What do you get when you throw a brick in a septic pond? A green wave. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so she, but but I, what I loved about it was her her childlike to get us back to Mark 10, her childlike. This is a very intelligent person. I mean, but she's asking me questions, you know, as a child would ask, totally open to whatever the Bible has to say about it and what I think about it. And I think about that it described so beautifully that last section that we talked about with the ladies on the last podcast is Jesus says the kingdom mindset is that of a child that comes to it and says, like we always say, I could be wrong, or I don't even have an opinion. I'm just trying to search, search it out and, and seek and find out what truth is. And I think that really is probably the best kingdom approach. The more you see that, the more unifying it is, instead of just getting in your positions and in your sort of doctrinal corners and then just living there, you know, and lashing yeah. out every time somebody disagrees with you. Well, what I wanted to propose before we read this rich young ruler, and I've been waiting a long time to get here because I, I, I find this story fascinating. But I also want to say in the context of with the marriage trap that was given by the Pharisees, and then you had the the children episode with Jesus making this principle about having the childlike spirit. And even in chapter nine, where he talked about causing kids to stumble in that graphic language, he said, you know, it'd be better for somebody to have a millstone tied around their neck. And now you get to the rich young ruler. Here's a man of wealth. It just seems like it mirrors or Paul took that and mirrored that in Ephesians five and six. And I just think it's a a really good thing to keep in mind. Moving forward, because you remember how Ephesians 5 started when he said, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. And I mean, I'm, I'm pointing out that children, you know, we're all children of God and and God is the architect of marriage and the family structure. But it's like live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. And then he says, among you, there shouldn't be a hint of sexual immorality, which we just got through talking about, in this trap, which was the underlying theme about 
man shouldn't divorce his wife except for sexual immorality. But then it says, or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Then all of a sudden, you know, he throws this idea of money because you think about in marriages and relationships, what are the main argumentative points? And it's usually one of those three things, sexual immorality, impurity, or of greed. And, uh, of course, then he goes on to say there shouldn't be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, but rather thanksgiving. Uh, you can be sure no immoral, impure, greedy person, such a man has an idolater. And I want to bring up this phrase in Ephesians 5, 5, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Because this is what we're talking about in Mark. The kingdom is near the beginning of the gospel. All this kingdom speech that Jesus is using. And so it just kind of hit me that he's going to get down and talk about uh, submitting to one another in 521 in reverence for Christ, and then talk about wives and husbands, children and parents, and the different social classes, and ultimately the armor of God. But it just seems to be a parallel passage to me about talking about kingdom life and how our families and our marriages and the legacy we're passing on to our kids, it matters in the kingdom. Because ultimately, when you get to the rich young ruler, if you went to the end of that conversation where it says, uh, verse 21, before we read it, when he tells him to go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. So that's going to be the angle when you talk about inheritance because he asked a question in 1017. I'll just read it. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Well, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And that verse was a verse that I had trouble understanding for years, but we'll get into it. But it says, you know, the commandments don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy, which is quite a statement. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven or treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus looked around to his disciples and he's like, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Disciples were amazed, but Jesus said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed. Well, then who can be saved? And this is a famous verse. Jesus looked at him with man. This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And then Peter said, well, we've left everything. And Jesus says, no one who has left home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or fields for the gospel or will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And then he lists them all again, including persecutions. And then 31, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Let's take a break. So everybody's always trying to find like that perfect last minute gift. You know, what do I get for somebody? They've got everything. So we've got a, one of our sponsors has a cool idea. It's called Established Titles. And it's kind of a, a fun and novel way uh, to preserve natural woodlands, both of Scotland, but also around the world. These guys are, are planting woodlands, um, you know, for our planet, which is good. The more trees we get, the better it is in terms of climate change and all the other things that are going on. Uh, so what happens is you can purchase a souvenir plot of land in Scotland. 
So it's like a, a, a square foot of land. And every time you make a purchase, they're going to plant a tree somewhere around the world. And there'll be some in Scotland, but some in a lot of other places. So it's kind of a cool way to do something good. But also you get this Scottish tradition when you do it of being a lord or a lady, which is a, a Scottish title. So, um, you know, just kind of a cool thing. If you want to give somebody a gift that you don't know what to give them, make them a lord or a lady. Uh, first 200 people purchasing are going to be next to our plot. So we got our own little unashamed kingdom we're going to be building. So it makes an amazing last minute gift. As I said, Established Titles is actually running a massive Black Friday sale right now. Plus, if you use the code Phil, you get an additional 10% off. So go to EstablishedTitles.com slash Phil. That's EstablishedTitles.com slash Phil to get your gifts now and help support the channel. So, yeah, who wants to jump in and get going on this one? Because this is some really, <laughs> some really well, rich I, stuff. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you when you consider who Jesus is talking to right here. We we hear the term "rich young ruler." So, then what would that be like today if we were to put that title on a person? Because it's not just somebody that's like a. We're not talking about a king here. We're talking about a rich young ruler. I think about a young. A business guy that's advanced his way through life, essentially by being a good negotiator, kind of art of the deal kind of guy. This guy was like I me. Mean, he he knew how to negotiate, uh, and and I say right at the very beginning of it. And when I I actually did a sermon on this a few weeks ago um, out of Matthew nineteen, and I found the, the his approach to be rather fascinating because what he's what he's getting at at the very beginning is you can see he, he sees that eternal life is is something that that he can add to his possession of things mm-hmm. so he he i think at the very beginning of this story when when this rich young ruler what does he say he says you know, I, I want eternal uh, eternal life what do i got to do to get it um, that, which because is because he had in his head it was ear- it's earned yeah, yeah. It, it, because that, that's but think that's about what, that, that that's it that, that's his worldview, though. That's that's how he's been living. Everything he thought this guy you had. could earn it, and he said, "I've done it all. I've done all these things, so I've earned it." Jesus said, "No, yeah. not quite. Sell, get rid of all your money, and follow me." Which is never is never required in any other passage in the scripture. So he was obviously making a point, yeah. and I think y'all are right. I think. The problem was, is he thought that inheritance... He'd done enough to earn it. ...into eternal life was something you could add to, to what Zach just said, or something you could actually do. I mean, because he had a good pedigree. You think about the self-control, self-discipline. And he's actually, look, being humble because he's searching for God. He has plenty of money. I'm going to tell you, there's not a church on this planet that would not accept this guy. He's a say, great moral guy. He he's searching. He's clearly demonstrated self control and self discipline. His career you you can't be successful in our life without doing something right. He's got plenty of money, yeah. and yet he went away sad. I mean, Jesus kicked him out. It's like I mean, he didn't kick him out, but he he changed. He, he, his, it says Mark wrote down. Jesus loved him. Well, he loved him, and I think we should get to that. But my overall point is the if the major red flag that he missed is that this is something, Christianity or inheritance, eternal life, heaven, purpose in life, all peace, just put any great attribute of God and what we believe in. This is not something you add to, like, as a part of your, like, I need, I'm lacking one thing. I need to just give me this little, and it's not something you do. This is received. That that was the yeah. breakdown. He didn't understand yeah. that th- this is where they came up, Zach, with, you know, you've heard this. It's not the horizontal line. It's the vertical. This is where they came up with this, this, this story, because if you, if you, Drew a line horizontally, and you listed how how do we make the breakdown? You have on the top of the line good, bad, uh, religious, irreligious. Uh, what are the other things? Uh, moral, immoral, maybe nice, 
versus nasty, you know, and you're like, if you're on the top line, if you're above the line, you're going to make it. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Jesus destroyed all that. He's like, well, none of that matters because by if you go vertical and receive this power from God, well, whether you're characterized by being nice or nasty or religious or irrelevant, I'll save all of you through my grace. This is going to come from me. Go ahead, Zach. Well, I, I was thinking um, the the way that the, the translation in, uh, in the NASB um, in Matthew 19 says this is that the the, the man asked, what must, I, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And at the very beginning of, of the question, you, you get a glimpse into, or there's two problems there. One, we've already mentioned that you don't do anything in terms of like your effort or work to, to earn it, uh, which is certainly what this man thought, probably because he was a very successful business guy and has spent a life obtaining, obtaining things like that through effort and earning but but it was also in the very nature of the kingdom he didn't understand because he thought that the the kingdom was something eternal life was something to be obtained as opposed to a person in in Jesus that he had to have a relationship and get into and so the very question is is flawed and so when he asked that question you know what what good thing must i do to to have eternal life or to obtain eternal life Jesus is is like he gives like the best response ever, and he kind of tells him he's like, "What are you talking about being good? You're asking me about being good. There's only one that's good. That's right. God. Yeah. So so the, the the answer that he's giving him in this this in this interlude is that there's no amount of like you're not good. You're not good, but the guy doesn't get it. So Jesus says, "I tell you what, keep the commandments. Just keep the commandments." knowing that he probably hadn't kept the commandments, especially as we've gone through all of this stuff with Jesus, like up in the ante on what he actually meant, like the divorce and all that stuff. And, and I love what the guy says because, you know, it's like this guy's a negotiator. So he's, he's going to negotiate with Jesus. So he's like, which ones <laughs> as, if, as if it's a, which ones do, do I gotta, do I gotta keep? And, and so Jesus, Jesus did you pick the easier ones to keep. If you, I looked at that too. He, he picked them. If you had the choice, you know, I mean, don't murder. Yeah, he's like most yeah, people. Are like, these, well, I yeah. murdered, you know, and I hadn't committed adultery. I mean, I know, you know, people have done that, but most people have not, as far as you hadn't killed anybody. And so he's, he's like, I've kept all these because you knew. I mean, nobody, no one's good. It was yeah. his problem, but I do think he was turning his academics and philosophy and religion on its head by just like he did with Nicodemus because it's a similar story to that. Here's a guy who's respected. He's wealthy. He's a religious leader. And he's like, you know, you're in the same question. We know you're a good teacher. And Jesus said, you need to be born again. And it's the same conversation with the rich young ruler. It's an explosion. It's a revolution it, yeah. Everything you thought you had, like Paul said, is now rubbish. And I can do this, he was saying, the rich man, I can do this without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want exactly. my autonomy in the process, which if you think yep. about Jesus's, when Jesus gives him the, see, most people read this passage, and this is the passage that we go to to rip wealthy people. This is the passage that we go to to talk about how wealth is evil or whatever. And, and, I, and I get it. Like, I mean, I think we have to be careful of the, the traps of wealth and every, I mean, like anything else, right? I mean, it could be very sinful. Greed is a sin. Right. But I don't think that's the context here. I don't think it's the context the is, hey, yeah, yeah it's like it, 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 Jesus says the, the Holy Spirit, when he inspired the scriptures, like, hey, we need to put a section in there for the wealthy people and oh, let's, let's do it in the, with the story of the rich young ruler. You're missing the point is you see it that way. And, and here's how I know that because when the, as the thing is progressing here, this argument, but uh, really a negotiation between Jesus and the rich young ruler. And he thinks that he's going to somehow negotiate with Jesus, that he's going to be able to, to take this into his collection, eternal life. And he can bring it into one of his, you know, put it on his mantle as a collection. When Jesus gave him the commandments, he said, I've kept all those. And then Jesus said, okay, that's fine. Well, then do this one last thing. Go sell all that you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. 
And if we stop right there, we're not going to understand what Jesus is really getting at, because it's the next one, two, three, four words in this in Jesus's instruction. The next four words is the crux of the entire matter of what Jesus was calling this guy to. So here's the answer. Here's the real answer that Jesus is giving this guy when the guy said, what do I got to do to have eternal life? This is what Jesus says. And come follow me. Four mm-hmm. words. And come follow and, me. And when's, so the last, come, when's the last time you heard in any of these verses something very interesting when he was talking about no one is good but God alone, when the guy said, look, I've kept these from a boy. Do, here's just three little words. Do not defraud. Now, that's an interesting statement. Jesus yeah. doesn't use that very often. Do not defraud. The man just said he, he, he's rich, but he's kept all the commandments. Somewhere in that defrauding, when you earn a lot of money, it's hard not to slick somebody when it comes to money. Well, I think Jesus yeah, yeah. was turning that on his point because later, how many verses are there in the Bible? Probably 50 that says Jesus bought us. I mean, he. the irony of this yep. is that you sell everything and I'll buy you. Yep. Well, it's yeah. hard for a person who's put his confidence in his accomplishments that's why he said he's going to get to the point. You know how hard it is for somebody to be this successful and see a need for me? It's about like putting a camel through the eye of a needle. That's, that's, that's it. Because <laughs> yeah. all this brokenness. <laughs> he didn't break down his entire life on where he had gone astray, but all have sinned, and he, he had to. Right. He was trying to make the case. I, he was making the case. I don't, I don't need it. Yeah. So let's take a break. You guys know how passionate uh, that I am. Actually, all of us are uh, about the issue of life, Um, adoption, fostering, also speaking to women and speaking to groups. And uh, it's obviously we think, you know, it's the most important thing there is out there to to be involved in is the protection of life and those that can't protect themselves. Another uh, group that believes that is one of our longtime sponsors now on the podcast. It's a group called 40 Days for Life. And uh, we've had Sean on before. Great group. They got great resources to be able to help you sort of in this debate and argument. We're trying to win people, right? Trying to win hearts and minds. Uh, They've got over a million volunteers in over a thousand cities around the world. They hold prayer vigils, just praying uh, for women and young men to make the right decision uh, and to not choose abortion, but to choose life. And so we support these guys. Uh, We'd like for you to check out their locations, maybe see if uh, you might want to get involved in what they're doing and praying or or their organization. They have a great podcast. Uh, They got resources that help you sort of in the debate. Uh, Also, they have a free magazine. Uh, that you can get that uh, gives you great articles. Lisa's written a couple of articles for them as well. It's 40daysforlife.com, and they're going to keep you updated on what's going on um, in post-row America. So check them out. That's 4040daysforlife.com. Yeah, and, and I think that's even the part of his approach to Jesus is why Jesus reacted the way he did when he said, good teacher. And he said, why do you call me good? Because he didn't say what, remember the desperate people we've already read about. He didn't come up and say, Lord, son of David, Lord, son of God, Lord. He didn't come with that idea. He came up with good teacher. And, And I think he was even putting himself on a even par with Jesus. You know I mean? It was just like, you know, he so it was kind of I almost let's call it like a passive aggressive humility. Exactly what you're doing. I, I did it for exactly, birth. and I think that's why Jesus reacted the way he did and said, uh, You're not God. <laughs> that's, that's why I brought are. up the Ephesians 5 reference. Because look, even if you think about this in Ephesians 5 10, his exhortation was to find out what pleases the Lord. Well, you know, yeah, when you're having this encounter with Jesus. The thing about that is, and uh, I'd listened to a sermon about the rich young ruler from uh, Tim Keller, and he and he made a really good point. He's like, the problem for this fellow is that he had an encounter with the real Jesus, not not an idea or something that you're going to understand now and say, oh, I can get some more inheritance if I understand some. And what the real Jesus does uh 
I, I wrote down this quote. He found out that Jesus demands way more than you thought, the real, true Jesus. And he offers more than you ever imagined. And I think we all go through that process when we get to know Jesus. It's like, oh, he's asking me to go all in. <laughs> this is a complete surrender. He was saying, I've done enough to make it. Well, it just it was hard for him to wrap his head around it because by every measure in humanity and society, this guy is successful. And here's Jesus saying, no, if you go sell all this success, then you'll be successful. Well, he's like, what? I mean, just think your whole empire that you've built your entire life and you didn't do it by shady methods. I mean, I, I'm taking him at his word. I, I really believe you would have had to strain to find something. You probably would have so found something. So why did something. the man's face fall and the man's face fell? He went away sad because he had great wealth. Somewhere in there, he was thinking that he had made all this wealth he had had without any help from Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, the, but I don't but need I, your help. I, I, think, I think the reason why he was sad, it, it wasn't simply because he had great wealth. I mean, you got to read the whole verse here. It says that Jesus said, sell everything you have and come follow me. The, 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 the thing there that he's laying out is, is you got to pick what's most important to you. Is it your wealth or is it me following me? Because to have eternal life, John three, uh, John seventeen three is to know Christ, is to know the one true God. So, I mean, he's basically picking for this one guy. For this guy, his call was, yeah, your your wealth is an idol. You have to kill the idol yeah. and come with but me. But we all have something. There's always we all have something. So that's why we I wanted to something. say this, Phil. I think because, and I heard this from this from this Keller sermon, but he was right because he had some points. He encountered the real, true Jesus. He turned the guy's positives into negatives, which is what Jesus did, because they were his. But he had another point that Jesus looked at the heart and, and what was in the heart when he says he loved him. And then he basically took what this man loved, which was his, his dreams. When he said, go sell yeah. everything. I mean, how many times do we say, man, I'm living the dream? Because what happens is whatever you long for, whatever you put your passion to, whatever you're striving for on your whole life, and when you get it, yeah. when you're on top of the mountain, your own mountain that you created, I mean, this you're living your dream, and Jesus took that dream and crushed it. He's like, yeah, you go that, but, sell all that because it's not about your dream. It's about his because all your dreams was, ultimately are unfulfilling. One of the reasons he was sad, is it possible, what... Paul told Timothy, uh, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, he said he was loaded, have wandered from the faith. Is it possible yeah. this, this, it this young possible. man loved that money, loved the wealth? Why is he so sad? I mean, that, I he think said, that's Sell it. it but he's I... like, he's sad. Before yeah, that, the point... before that, get rid of it. Before that came about, he was yeah, happy. But money's not bad. You got a bunch of it. I got a bunch of it. That's but what if I'm that's the if you put the, your your if you put success, it's how you define success. I mean, you could take something way more. Uh, I was tricky to God, talk about. I would say to you, God blessed us. That's why we have money. But we, but if it all was taken away tomorrow, this guy got would the you money. be fine? Got the money before he came to know Jesus, so he couldn't have said. But would you be fine if it was all taken away tomorrow? I'd just keep right on going. Well, me too. That's what that that's the point. But it takes something a little harder to difficult. Say a woman who can't have kids—that's her dream—and then all of a sudden, you know, God comes in there and says, "You need to take away that desire as it compares to me." Because he gets down to the end, he says, "Anybody's left home, brothers, sisters." He, he's talking about something very hard to give up, which is if well, he did that, Jay. So he, he did that with Abraham. Uh, well, that's and, where and, I was yeah. going to. I had him down here. To me, it's the same thing. He's like, "Go sacrifice your yeah. son." Well, who it had in the something world to do with that, that but, money? Because his uh, face uh, fell, and he went away 
sad. I don't think it had anything to do with the money. I think it had to do with him putting his trust in that money is what I'm saying. That was his dream. Because here, here's how you know this. Like I, I had a, um, an encounter with a guy, a friend of mine, who I saw he put it on Facebook. This has been a while back. And he's just, I mean, he's ripping wealthy people as being greedy and the whole thing, you know, like this whole deal of wealth is evil and you can't be a Christian and be wealthy. And all. I mean, it was like, and he quoted this verse. And um, I just found it interesting that the guy who was doing this like didn't have a job and he played video <laughs> games for 40 hours a week. And I'm like, you know, you, you sit back in your, in your lounge chair and you're, and you're 28 years old, you know, but that and, may and, be his it, dream video games. That's, and, that's what I'm saying. So for that yeah. guy to give up his wealth, I mean, he'd be like, Oh, I'll give up everything I have for the kingdom. Well, yeah, yeah but you don't it's have easy anything, to give up everything of, you have when you don't have anything. Yeah, I'll give it, but I won't give up that video game addiction. Now that well, well, I will right. not give that. Well, up. you can it's go like, down well, the road. You're going to go to sex. I mean, some people. It's whatever is your primary mission and dream. You have to surrender that because what, basically what you're saying yeah. is, I'm going to give up my money and let God determine how rich I'm going to be. Well, he actually asked uh, a question that none of us should. What must I do? To gain eternal yeah. life, that's the don't ask that question because because the answer you're going to get you're not going to like. But I think it's it came be, from a good place. Well, he he was but, trying but, to, and he got his answer. Guess what? But I don't it know, Jason. Didn't match I, with his up agenda. Your money and you're ready to go. He didn't like it. <coughs> Give up what? I'm not so sure. It, I'm not so sure it came from such a great place. Let's take a break. Because what, what the way I take it is he's basically saying, I've got everything I could possibly want here. Now, what do I do to do something there, meaning an eternal life? Because that's yep. the one thing money can't buy you, right? Well, the richest people, in the, richest people in the world are going in the ground, you know? But I'm reading that just because it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. He seems he to did. be liking that he's wanting to know he just didn't like the answer because <laughs> well, you know what you, but, it's but a I power think what, struggle here <laughs> but what encourages me about this text because when you read this you are kind of like well, if you live in america like and you want to think man the, i can't stand those rich people but you live in, you live in, in the united states of america you need to realize you probably are one of the rich people and at least in the in the standard of the world and yep. certainly in the standard of history i mean we all occupy very privileged places in history. Most of us in Western culture do. So I think it's easy to kind of cast it out as those people. But when you start thinking about like, where do you rank in the global scale? Like you're probably pretty high up if you're in the United States. And if you talk about through his, through the historical years where, where our standard of living is at, we all occupy a very high place, most of us. And so, I mean, I, I read this and think, man, it just seems like whatever your thing is. I mean, you could, Put fill in the blank here with whatever your idol, or whatever your bent, or whatever your affection, or whatever you're beholding as the thing. And you think, man, that's pretty difficult to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think you would come to the same conclusions that the disciples did when they were like, man, this seems impossible, right? And you look at the task in front of you. I've got to be righteous, but I've got this thing out there. I love that Jesus does not leave it at that. He says, yep, it's it's impossible with man, but with God. All things are possible. Even those who who have wealth up on that pedestal, or whatever the thing is, they like with God. That even that can be changed. So whatever your your idol is, it's it's it, there's hope in this because Jesus is like with God. Like God can change your desires. He can change the things of your heart. He really can, and He does. And I think that's a powerful, powerful part of this story is that God does not close the door on people who are like this guy. Sell everything and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow well, me. I think you got to <laughs> you got to define what the treasure in heaven is. And you know, in this sermon I heard, the treasure in heaven is living in the presence of God and His holiness forever. I no mean, money needed. Well, yeah, and, well, and, that's, I, that's, and I, that's that's John seventeen three. That's that's what Jesus said. Eternal life is. That's what I, he said. I think by deduction, you also realize that he is viewing you as his treasure. 
So it works both ways. That's why he came and he's going to prove it. That's why he's reminding them or, or predicting that he's going to die. Well, why is, why, is he, why is he telling these stories in between three times he's predicting his death? Because he's saying your value. You, you are the treasure to him. So it's not like he's asking you to go sell all your possessions because he wants you to be a fuddy-dud and not follow your dreams. He's like, I, I got a bigger dream. And way bigger than yours, because mine doesn't end. It's yeah. it's an eternity together. Are you in or are you out? You're like, no, I'm going to stay here and build bigger barns. Well, you ain't going to be here long. It, it's not going to ultimately be satisfying. Well, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich to enter the kingdom of God. He had just got through talking to a young buck who was loaded, had a lot of money. And he said, what do I need to do now? He said, give up that money. He wouldn't do it. Couldn't no, do he it. wouldn't do it. And ultimately, it sounds harsh because you're like, well, why is he being so harsh? But he's just saying, are you going to trust me that this is not going to produce the success that you think it is? It's temporary. Temporary. And look at all the problems yeah. that comes from it anyway, you know. And I do think that's why he did say he loved him was because Jesus loves everybody, especially when you approach him, you know, with, with sincerity. I think there was a lot of sincerity on this guy's part. I mean, he really did want to know what Jesus knew about eternal life. Obviously what he, what he didn't want was the answer that was pretty simple, but you know, Jace, this isn't the first time. I mean, Jesus went up to Matthew and he was sitting in the tax booth and said, come follow me. And, Matthew got up and did it. Yeah, he walked yeah. away from great wealth. He walked he away from yep. you know he he did walk away from some difficulties as well. I, you know I've always compared this story to Luke nineteen and Zacchaeus who who kind of fits in the Matthew mode. You remember Zacchaeus was up in the tree. He didn't even approach Jesus. He's just up there getting a good look at him because he's a little short guy. And yep. Jesus looks up and says, "Come down out of the tree. I'm coming to your house today." And so he invites him in. And as soon as he looks at Jesus, he says, "You know what?" I've been, I, I haven't been honest with people. I'm going to pay back four times what I've stolen from people. And Jesus never asked him anything about money. He just yeah. volunteered it. And then and the Jesus said salvation. Is, has he was young, which is interesting because if he had been old and said the same thing, if he, now if he was old and he was 76, if he was old as I was, he wouldn't have asked, well, what do I need to do? And he said, well, sell everything you got. Because it would have been easier to give the money up when you're 80. Because it's yeah. not going to do you any good here. <laughs> because there's yeah. no Jesus there. And you want, you want well, to know. Maybe that's why Nicodemus had a better response. Because he was older. You know, That's what well, I'm thinking. Uh, hang on, think Zach. Let's take our last break. Yeah, think about this, too. I mean, if you read the end of, of Mark uh, 10, well, not the end of Mark 10, but the end of this story, Jesus says in verse 31, he, he ends he ends this little part with this, and same thing in Matthew chapter 19. He says, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. So think about the context of the rich young ruler. I read this whenever I was studying for this, and I and, and and then I came across, I just, I just sat in that for a bit. And then I came across Luke 18, which is the same exact. This is Luke's version of this in Luke 18. And he tells this story about the rich young ruler. But Luke adds in another story right after that. And I think it's on purpose. It's, it's a perfect like juxtaposition of these two things. Uh, one is the rich young ruler. And then you have this blind beggar in Luke chapter 17 and it says this in verse 35 now as jesus was approaching jericho a man who was blind was sitting by the road begging the opposite of a rich young ruler he is a blind beggar but when he heard the crowd going by he began inquiring what this was they told him that jesus of nazareth was passing by and he called out saying jesus son of david have mercy on me those who led the way were sternly warning him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, 
son of David, have mercy on me. So he's screaming this at the top of his lungs. Everybody's like, shut up, shut up. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he'd be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, regain your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight. And this is what he did. He began following Jesus, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Man, if you want to talk about, like, there's so many parallels here that it's the complete opposite. But one is this guy's coming in and he's demanding from Jesus eternal life. Because that's what he's saying. He said, what do I got to do? Well, then, then you have here a guy who's a beggar who can offer Jesus nothing, but somehow stops the Lord Jesus in his tracks. And, and Jesus turns his attention to this blind beggar. And he said, what, what, what can I do for you? The yeah. rich young ruler asked Jesus, what can I do for you? In this story, Jesus asked the, the guy, what can I do for you? See the, the mm -hmm. difference here. And, and, I, I, and then the, the other one is, is that when this guy received what Jesus gave him, he followed Jesus. He said, what's the big difference? What's the big difference? The big difference between the rich young ruler and the blind beggar, and this is where we all got to end up, is these, these words right here. Have mercy on me. You want to know how you approach the, the king of glory? You don't ask him, what, what can I do for you? you? You just simply say, have mercy on me. If yep. you want to stop the Lord God Almighty in his tracks and have him turn his face toward you and his attention toward you, then this is what you say. Have mercy on me. And I think that's the that right there in that Luke 18, when you see these two side by side, you're like, oh, okay. I think I get what he's trying to say here. Yeah. Well, don't well, you think that a better question would have been, um, Lord, what do I need to do to follow you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's yep. your question, right? Well, yeah, because you got to do something, right? That's right. what I was going to say with the the reason I brought up that Ephesians 5 and 6, I'd, I'd mentioned that one, because we're so hung up on how we should husbands should act and wives and what does it mean by a hint of sexual immorality you know and all these little details when you when you kind of look at the two chapters on where the focus is you know 510 says find out what pleases the lord 517 says you need to understand what the lord's will is you know not not your will what his will is Christ is the head of the church and, you know, it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, you know, surrender. Then you have your roles. Uh, it is the Lord who rewards chapter six, verse eight. We receive. We, we're, we're on the receiving end of what he's rewarding. It's the Lord's power on 610. So, and then when he goes through that, our struggle is not against flesh and good flesh and blood. It's a it's a power struggle, and then he gives you this armor, but it's all his. It's his truth, his righteousness, his gospel, his peace, his shield, his salvation. I mean, it's it's something that you have to kind of look at and say, well, wait a minute now. He's the one that's providing all this. That's why you do fall on your knees and say, I surrender or have mercy on me. Even faith itself is the act of receptivity. You know that uh, Romans 12, 3, where it says the sum, God gives the measure uh, of faith to accept the grace, then he goes through the different gifts that, that you give, that, that he gives. Uh, I mean, so I just, the more I thought about this, he was really just trying to, to get him to surrender his independence, which, look, that is the hardest thing to do. In life, and it's the hardest thing to do in marriage. Yep, is to surrender and have a submissive spirit, which is why I think he closed it the way he did when he said, "The first will be last; the last will be first." I think it's. I think you're exactly right, Jason. It's the same thing we talked about with the marriage illustration at the beginning of this chapter. It wasn't as much about marriage as it is about self. And I think in this case, it's not as much about money, per se, as it is about self. In other words, where do you find your worth? I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that, I mean, my main, other than this podcast, my main way of making a living these days, I travel around and speak to people trying to encourage them to give money to kingdom organizations that are there on behalf of life or family or whatever. And so in our convincing, we're trying to convince them that it's worth it to make a difference on the planet. 
And so I, I just ultimately yeah. think that's what Jesus was saying. I mean, we live here. We get eternal life because of him. Oh, and it's not because I, of anything we can I gotta, do. I got to tell this story because I was, I was amongst a bunch of pastors. I won't mention who they were. And so they were, we were arguing about whether it was biblical to preach a sermon on giving a tenth. And they were basing it on the Old Testament, you know. So I raised my hand. And, and you know, I, I've, I've had some immature moments on how I deliver something and cause some arguments in a lot of bureaucracies across this nation. But, but this was, a, <laughs> I got a hellfire <laughs> over this one. And I said... Money boy, <laughs> no, yeah, because I said, Look, get off the 10 percent. It, 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 y'all have created that. You, you had an idea, I went to the Bible and tried to prove it. I said, You should do one of two things. I said, Either don't mention it and preach Jesus. I said, They'll give if they're convicted by Jesus, they'll give. I said, Or oh, you get up there and you do what Jesus did, and you said, I want every cent. You got. They were looking at me just like, I said, tell them I want it all right now. Get out, write me a check for everything you got in your bank account. <laughs> they said, well, that won't work. They said, that won't work. That's the dumbest thing. I, they weren't thinking, they weren't, they weren't going to where I was going, which was the rich young ruler. I said, he came up there and said, I want everything you got. <laughs> And the, my point was that it was more about self. It's more about sharing Jesus and self and that heart being pricked. They'll give, but to try to make them give a tenth because it's law or you know, when you try to turn it into law, you're doing exactly what the rich young ruler was doing was my overall point. Yeah, instead of the, they, they wanted to go with the formula, which is exactly what these contexts are about. It, you can't come up with a human formula to make this work. It can't be about you. It has to be about him, which I think is a consistent point that we keep coming back to over and over and over. And I think it's true. And that's what he's trying to get across. I think this guy is a great illustration of that. In a way, it makes me sad, you know, that this story is in the Bible because this guy had a lot of good things. And and look, it had such an impact on the disciples that it scared the daylights out of them. They were like, what, what? Well, it I mean, scared me, guy, too, when I read it. I mean, it's like, what, I know what it. was this talking about? Which is why I think it's produced such a energetic discussion, because he was just so much. It, it's it's actually brilliant. If you if you think about it. it, it was a it was a great analogy to focus in on the heart of every human being, which is this battle of wills. Of, are you going to run your life? Are you going to relinquish that and give it to God because of what he did on a cross and a resurrection? I mean, that this is ultimately, it, it went back to the gospel. It really wasn't about money. It was about the heart and who's going to right. run the show. Yep. Which, which is why he follows this up again, talking about his death. All right, we're out of time. Uh, we're going to go to overtime, talk a little bit about uh, 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 talk a bit more about this uh, context. And uh, you can go to blazetv.com slash unashamed if you want to check that out. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.